Back to another edition of Room Sticks and Butter Beer. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we are continuing our journey through Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. This week, talking about Chapter Nine and the uh, battles that the Wizarding community apparently has with depression. Yes, that sounds accurate. So, and it's not just one character in this chapter. I noticed many characters in this chapter are. Uh, I'm going to mention emo Harry very. Uh, often in this chapter, Harry's uh, very up and down with his very up and down with his mood and with his uh, just overall uh, mental health <laughs> in this in this book. <laughs> it's really started since the beginning. Well, you know, lot lot of stuff went down at the end of the last book. Yeah, and kind of just moved on along. And no, there's there's. There's scars, Daniel. There are scars. Mm. Wounds, still, really. First cut is the deepest. Yes. <laughs> yes, I agree with this. What? Uh, uh, today we're talking about Chapter 9, but before we do that, let's recap Chapter 8, which was the hearing. Harry was in the same courtroom that has tried some of the most evil witches and wizards in history for his hearing on the use of the Patronus charm in the underpass. Very intimidating setup with Harry being lorded over by so many prominent witches and wizards. And Percy's there, too. <laughs> and Percy. But Dumbledore makes a surprise appearance in Harry's defense. Dumbledore is very matter-of-fact and tactful in this chapter, not really acknowledging Harry on a personal level, which is a bit disconcerting for Harry. Uh, Mrs. Fig shows up as a witness in Harry's defense. Fudge gets dunked on by Dumbledore at every turn in this hearing, and Harry is eventually acquitted of all charges and will be free to return to Hogwarts. Yay! Chapter we're going to talk about today, Chapter 9 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, The Woes of Mrs. Weasley. Is there a lot of woes? Because it was a long chapter. Long! Almost 30 pages. Yeah. And yeah. doesn't really advance the story very much. It's basically just a... Hey, if you need help, you need to talk to somebody. Commercial. Eh. We, we do a little bit. We're for, getting there. For wizarding depression. We're about to leave for school. It got us from the trial to leaving for school. Took 30 pages to do it. Yes. Uh, Harry leaves the hearing and immediately runs into Arthur Weasley waiting outside the room. Uh, apparently Dumbledore didn't even say anything to Arthur on the way out. Yeah, just took off. And I kind of understand... Not wanting to show anything to the the Wizengamot. Is that how you say it? Yeah, I think so. Wizengamot? Gamont. I think they fancy them. Wizengamot. 
I, I could understand not wanting to show, like, being overly friendly or showing favoritism to Harry during the hearing. Yeah, we talked about that at the end of the last episode. But it's almost like, like Dumbledore is kind of, like, antisocial lately. Well, yes, but it's also, you know, it's the same thing as, like, with uh, Kingsley. They're, they're all in this, like, secret club together, but they don't want anybody to know that they're in the secret club together. So... Where it would have been very reasonable for, since Mr. Weasley is the one who brought Harry, was acting as his chaperone parent person, it would have been very reasonable for him to just stop and tell him what happened. But I feel like they just don't want any associations. Also, you know, they're saying that Harry is like the number one person doing all saying all these things about Voldemort and we can't listen to him and he's doing all this but it's also Dumbledore too so anybody who's associating with Dumbledore kind of gets that bad stigma on them so maybe they just he's just maybe he's got something to do maybe he's double parked when the Wizengamalt files out Mr. Weasley is super shocked that Harry was tried by the full court and we talked about this on the last episode, the venue, the setting, the restraining chair, the full wizard gamut. I mean, what do we make of all this? It's, it's a lot for such a small, small. Yeah, offense. it was supposed to take place in somebody's office. With probably like one or two people. Pe- yeah, wizards. Yeah, just probably witches. one person was probably supposed to just hear his side of the story and put everything together and... Somebody else just, like, taking notes or whatever. I don't know. It, you know, was a big... I think Fudge is really trying to discredit Harry and doing it in front of the most people as possible he thought would be beneficial. And and doing it in a place where we usually try... Really bad Bad people. Like you said, the the word stigma. That That room has a stigma to it. You know, it has sitting a, in that chair. Yeah, it has an aura of evil to it. I, w- I don't imagine that many people that sit in that chair end up being acquitted. Yeah. <laughs> I would imagine that more often than not, you're, tri- you know, tried for your crimes and found guilty. So it's it's almost like this this overarching need to to make fudge right and by proxy Harry wrong and whatever tools we have at our disposal to make that at least on the surface look like that's what's going on that's what we're going to use uh, before Arthur and Harry can leave the ministry they happen to run into Cornelius Fudge and Lucius Malfoy and the last time Harry saw Lucius was in that graveyard during yeah. Harry's battle with Voldemort this is where the, the wounds come open a little bit mm-hmm. and I Again, haven't read these in a while. It's kind of... I think it's glazed over in the books. I think they see him... Or in the movies. It's glazed over in the movies. They kind of, they see him there talking, but they don't stop and talk to him. They just keep walking. I think that's how it goes. Um, and Harry has been very forthright with saying, Look, Voldemort's back. I fought him in this graveyard. Lucius Malfoy was there. These people are the ones I recognize. Uh-huh. I'll give you names. Like, yeah. Like, he... this dude was there. And they must, 
have not even a uh, a hint that uh, of belief in Harry, the the higher ups at the ministry, because otherwise, even if you thought that there was even a a tiny tiny chance that Harry might be right, you wouldn't have Lucius Malfoy in the ministry talking in private with Cornelius Fudge. Well, but I wonder who all knows that. I mean, Harry told Fudge. Fudge didn't believe him. Mm-hmm. Did Fudge tell anybody? I mean, you know what I mean? He wouldn't pass on the information, especially not as it being factual, if he, you know, didn't believe it. So does anybody else even know? I kind of feel like everybody at the ministry is kind of being kept in the dark. Well, it turns out the wizarding government is just like every other government. If you have money, you have influence, just like the lobbyists here in America and the lawmakers that are always afraid to say no to the lobbyists because they want to keep their jobs. You know, we get all these politicians that say, I'm going to be for the people. And then when they get to Washington or when they get to their state government, it's they quickly realize that there is a game to be played. And if you want to stay in the game, you got to have skin in the game. <laughs> well, I already got Hamilton songs running through my brain. Yeah. You said the venue, the menu, the seating. You, I you, already, just, you just want to sing Hamilton had for it. the next 30 minutes? We could <laughs> do was, that. I was already doing it. And now you got more. We might, op- might open up a whole new uh, uh, door of uh, subscribers. <laughs> Like, oh, they just sing Hamilton all the time. This is great. And then we'll lose a bunch of people, too. Yeah, because, like, <laughs> they don't talk about Harry Potter anymore. And then we'll just transition into the Hamilton podcast. No, with, I just think... Dan and Jess. I just think there should be, like, a, maybe a separate bingo board that has all the songs from Hamilton, and if a line from the song gets said, then you get to mark it. Yeah, but then I would just be too tempted to just do all of them. <laughs> I would, I would just be, I would work it into my, I have, I have a thousand word notes here and it would, they have, half of them would end up being just, Hamilton how can works. I work this line from Hamilton in there? But I digress. Uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> Skin in the game? Skin in the game. Yeah. The, like, just like the lobbyists in, uh, in Washington, you know, they, they pretty much run things because they got the money. They got the influence. If you don't vote the way they want to vote, then you're not going to get their money, and you need that money. Unfortunately, the best people don't just get elected. They get elected because they've got the, the most money for... Um, Ads and yeah, promoting themselves exactly. and traveling around, doing tours and meeting people, all those things. And so somebody like Lucius Malfoy, who has a documented history of... Alleged. He uh, he claims that he was being controlled by Voldemort, but has a documented history of doing evil, evil things. Because he's got the money, he's going to get, you know, some FaceTime with the big boss. Well, but Fudge doesn't believe that Voldemort is back, so therefore he doesn't believe that Lucius was in that graveyard. And Lucius has a pocket full of Gold. Mm-hmm. So, come on in. What do you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry's scar is acting up a lot in this chapter. And in the past, this was a sign that Voldemort was nearby. Voldemort was up to something. There was uh, 
Sometimes Harry could even kind of envision the room where it happened, the room where it happened. <laughs> oh no. But the Order of the Phoenix has really been insisting lately that Voldemort has, and his crew have been very quiet. Why is the Order not more worried about these attacks Harry is having? And because he's ha they're having them, he's having them in front of people. Yeah, but the one nobody seems to notice. Hermione noticed, and she asked him about it, and he was just like, you know, he always says, oh, it's nothing, it's just hurting, it's been doing that a lot lately, no big deal. And then I think something in the room, something happened in the room, and they got distracted. But so far, I think Hermione's really the only one who noticed. It just it just seemed a little odd to me. I, I, I thought that there was more than just Hermione that had, had noticed and when these, these flare-ups had been coming. But we know that there's a connection between these flare-ups. And, and Sirius does, too. Yeah, Sirius kind of knows because he told him about it. But he doesn't really tell anybody else. Like, Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Weasley don't know about it. Uh, Dumbledore does, but he's not around. So He's being antisocial. Yeah. Uh, well, everyone is ecstatic that Harry was acquitted at the hearing, but there's one person who seems a little bit the opposite, isn't there? Yeah, I was gonna just just gonna say, we said Sirius knows about the the scar, but he's kind of busy with his own issues. What's up with Sirius? He's just being kind of mopey. Everybody's so sad this. So just... mopey. Well, things things are bad. Like, he needs a. Cymbalta or something. <laughs> it's like a commercial for a anti anti depression medicines. Um, Hermione has theories, of course, and her theory is that you know sometimes Sirius can't tell the difference, or not not that he can't tell the difference, but he feels like Harry's James, and and that's something that Molly kind of accused Sirius of when they had their back and forth a couple chapters ago. And that it's his bestie, and, you know, he just wants to have his bestie with him all the time. And Hermione even said something about, he just wanted you to come live here, and now you're not going to. You're going to yeah. go back to Hogwarts. Like, of course he's happy for you, because you, you're acquitted. But maybe but there's a small kind part. Kind of excited, like, uh -huh. well, if he gets kicked out of society like I've been kicked out of society mm -hmm. then we can be kicked out of society together and then he also probably immediately went to all the thinking about all the good times he had with James and it'll be just like that and also think about the fact that it's probably nice to be in the same house with Harry and if Harry is going back to Hogwarts then you know Sirius doesn't get to leave that house everybody else in the order gets to leave the house at some yeah, point. Yeah, come and go. You know, other than the, the race itself. <laughs> and the screaming paintings. Which are not great company for Sirius. No. And and so Sirius it just has to, you know, even if he's been stuck in this house, he's been stuck in this house with people that he cares about. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, especially like, you know, there's there's probably like a kind of an energy that like the, the youthful people in the house bring to the house and kind of you know perk things up a little bit and now they're all going to be going back to school and Sirius is just going to be you know stewing in the house again and it's still the headquarters 
So it's not going to be probably as bad as he thinks, because there will still be people there. But they're going to, like you said, come and go, and he doesn't get to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Even, they said, even if he was in his dog form, Wormtail knows about that, Mm -hmm. or Peter Pettigrew knows about that, so he's probably already informed. What if they shaved him? <laughs> or dyed him. Yeah. He could be a white dog instead of a yeah. bleach all his hair. <laughs> Give him spots. Yeah. Or like a poodle cut or something like that. Yeah, there you go. Like the the little feet, the little fuzzies around the, the feet. The ankles, yeah. Uh, like, serious, we're going to need you to turn into a dog real quick. We got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> we got an idea. I wonder what his hair would look like when he came back. I want somebody. I know we probably got with the thousands of people that listen to the show you got to have some talented artists out there send me a piece of artwork of uh what the the uh, haircut uh the, the disguise that uh <laughs> the series is going to use uh to you know pad foot around town and uh send it to me and i'll send you some swag how about that it won't work though because he's got the wrong kind of hair yeah we'll figure it's it not out poodle hair yeah, you could brush it out, it's though. shaggy dog hair. It won't do the same thing. Curl it. You can get some curlers. Get some curlers. <laughs> you need a lot of teasing. Can you imagine... Uh, and a lot of hair spray. Padfoot walking around the house with curlers in his hair. Just doop, 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 doop. Just <laughs> waiting waiting for the, the curls to take so we can get the, the cut so we well, can go to, out. Like, and, so it, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm perm. thinking. Yeah. Yeah, like one of those things, like in the in the seventies, like the little spaceship helmets that they would wear, the dryer, with the, and yeah. they put the like the tin foil in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh I want goodness. a picture of this. Send it to me, broomsticks.butterbeer@gmail.com, and I will uh, send you some swag. How about that? Oh goodness, we really got off track there, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, like I said, uh, I'm going to change Harry's name to Emo Potter. In this chapter, because Harry is really up and down with his emotions. I'm half expecting him to start painting his nails black, wearing guy liner, and start listening to depressing music. Yeah, even, I felt like the author was even having trouble keeping up. She was like, oh, and now that, like, she got kind of, there was one point in the kitchen where they're having their little celebration, or mm-hmm. I don't know if it was a celebration or if it was lunch, but it was just like, Oh, yeah, he was happy earlier, but now he's sad again. <laughs> like, mm. Oh, yeah, I forgot that he was even happy, but now we're sad again. Mm-hmm. So I can't even keep up as I'm writing this. It just... Harry's got the... Yay, I got acquitted. And then come home and then something kind of sets him uh, on the on the opposite path of his feelings and he's like well i shouldn't feel that way i should be happy for this person oh but then somebody showed me a picture and then you know, i'm just he, he's just up and down up and up and down. and down and up and down i'm like man you need to like i said maybe you need to get him on some medicine maybe we just need Love to have him, him talk to somebody yeah, Is, he's are, are there wizarding I think he, are there he wizarding counselors are there you know wizarding oh i don't know i would assume so but they're kind of like I don't know. I, I feel like mental health is not a big. Um, yeah, it's not I like don't a big say pri- not a concern, but yeah, not, not, not a, a big priority. Priority in the wizarding world because all of them seem a little nuts. Yeah. So I think it's just considered normal. I don't know. I don't know. I think there that that is a a section of treatment that has not been tackled in the wizarding world, and I think that that's. You know, uh, a void that could be filled by 
Well, I think because it can't really be solved by magic, mm-hmm. a magic potion, a magic wand, so that's something they don't really know how to deal with. Because that's usually what medicine is in the wizarding world. It's all magic. Yeah. You they know, don't I take gonna... an aspirin. They take a, a potion. Skelligro. Or... Pepper up potion. Yeah. Or when uh, Lockhart tried to fix Harry's arm and turn it into rubber. Rubber, and... yeah. They don't, yeah, they don't really use medical techniques mm-hmm. for anything. Yeah, it's not like we're going to slap a cast on it or... They do put bandages on sometimes, which I find is weird mm-hmm. because we can make bones fine with a flick of our wrist, but then we have to put a bandage on something. I, I, that's a little odd, but, you know, whatever. Maybe that's just kind of like a reminder, like, not to touch it. Yeah. Like, Don't w- mess with it. When I broke my nose, like, when I was, like, 14... Um, they fixed it, but they, I had like a little, like, yeah, the little, little piece of tape or whatever thing. on it, which did nothing to like stabilize anything. It was basically just a reminder, like, don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's kind of what it is. It's just like drawing an X on it with a Sharpie. There you go. Like, don't mess with it. Let the, let the magic do its thing. Uh, the required reading book lists have arrived. I'm sure you wouldn't mind getting, you know, a little thing in the mail. Every once in a while, say, "Hey, these are some books you might want to check out." I get the e- their emails, but yeah. But uh, this is uh, more textbook based, and uh, which means we're heading back to Hogwarts very soon. But something extra came in Ron's envelope, didn't it? Yes, he got the prefect badge. What? What? So everyone, including Ron, is shocked about Harry being <laughs> or about Ron being chosen as Gryffindor prefect. Along with Hermione, who was also chosen. Uh, she's also surprised that Ron got picked, but not really surprising for Hermione. You know, top yeah. student. Uh, well-respected. You know, got to use it. Was trusted enough to use a time-turner to take extra classes. Things like that. But Prefect is, is sort of a Weasley family tradition, isn't it? Seems like it. Um, when she mentions it, I'm like, what? You know, you don't think of it as much because our experience as readers with the Weasleys and um, and school is Fred and George. Mm-hmm. And we don't see them as people who were going to be prefects or be in charge. We do see Percy, but Percy's like a whole different thing. Yeah, Percy's kind of the, the outlier of... Of the current group, uh, uh, well, yeah. of all of, of them, all the but Weasleys, the current yeah. group that we're familiar with, um, it, there's just no way anybody was going to give the badge to Fred or George. And also, how would you even pick if you were? It's like split it in half. Split it in half. Yeah. Let them share it. Well, you get it on every other day. Nobody, no, nobody can tell the difference anyway. anyway. Yeah. So just whatever. Like I got detention from Fred or George. I. Don't know which. Fred or George caught me out after hours. Fred gave me detention. No, I didn't. <laughs> oh, George gave me detention. You call yourselves our mother. Kindness. So, yeah, it's apparently a family tradition, but not one that we were overly familiar with. Here's the thing, though. Ron's not totally helpless, as Fred and George kind of seem to think. Like, why would they pick you, Ron? You're not at... You know, you're, there's nothing really. I don't. Know, they're give, they're giving Ron a lot of trouble about getting picked. You're 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 not really somebody that we think of when we think of a 
the prefect, but... Can you everyone know, just... that It's not just that they can't believe Ron got it, they can't believe Harry didn't get it. And it's just that overly, hey, Harry's Dumbledore's favorite, so of course Harry would get it. And it just doesn't really make sense. Well, I know, I know Ron is not, he's not a Bill, he's not a Charlie, he's definitely, thank goodness, not a Percy. But he's shown promise in his first four years. Mm-hmm. He's had a lot of big moments. Yes, he's helped out quite a bit. You know, there are things that Harry wouldn't have been able to do without Ron's help and Hermione's help. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you think about, like, the chess game, you think about, I think Ron was even the one... When they needed to conjure fire, he reminded Hermione, like, hey, you're a witch. You can conjure this. You can do this. Uh, Used a lot of um, ingenuity when he flew the the Ford. uh, Oh, the car. I always forget what the the name of the. I don't remember. It was a Ford, like, Afari or something like that. I don't don't remember. I'm going to get hate mail from Kelly for not knowing that. But, uh, you know, they couldn't get to, couldn't take the train to Hogwarts. So let's know, take the car. And flew it all the way there. I mean, crashed it in a tree, but got him there. Yeah. So let's, let's not pretend like Ron is just like a total buffoon here. And he's always, like you said, reminded Hermione about she can make fire and everything. She, he's kind of like, the one who knows about the wizarding world mm-hmm. Hermione's read a lot about it but he's the one who knows it lived it grew up there so he's kind of like their guide through it too they're, they're like the perfect friends for Harry because of their personalities and because of like you said one is very familiar with the wizarding world but is not as big on the the book knowledge and the other one is muggle-born but has tons of book knowledge and knows pretty much everything and their personalities are very different but i think that's been a real positive for harry to kind of have ron and ron and hermione together are a great asset for harry and i think maybe that's kind of the thought here by making them both prefects is that ron and hermione together could be a great asset for the gryffindor prefect I was just thinking, now Harry will never get in trouble because both of his best friends are prefects. There you go. <laughs> but All right, y'all, I'm going to go head out. It's three in the morning. I'm going to go walk around the Forbidden Forest. Anybody want to come? Nah, we'll stay here, Harry, but you do you. <laughs> come back whenever you want. So I feel like, you know, they they all kind of take turns rationalizing it and giving their reasons why and this and that. And I just felt like, no, he, this way, Harry doesn't ever get in trouble. And then also, when Harry does do something that he should get in trouble for, when they just have to take the badge away, like, it would be a punishment that he'd have to do. Mm-hmm. But then it's also part of well, not showing favoritism to Harry. Ron's not really sure to th- what to think of this new assignment, but Molly Weasley is over the moon about it. And it looks like Ron is going to get a new broom out of it, so maybe things are... Looking up for Ron. Yeah, apparently. And also a family tradition is if you make prefect, you get a present. Mm-hmm. Percy it, got an owl. Ron doesn't need an owl. So what else do you want? It's like you, a rat. You like rats, don't you? Like, eh. Yeah. Last time I had a rat, it was like an old dude. Yeah. 
Nigga. Sleeping in bed with me every night. They so. tucked him in my shirt I'm a, all I'm the time. I'm going to pass and... on rats, I think. Yeah. Maybe a broom. Sorry, Brandy. Hopefully the, uh, yeah, our friend Brandy is a, a, a friend of the rats. But it kind of makes me think of a couple books ago when Ron looked into the mirror of Erised and, you know, he saw himself being held up on people's shoulders as like the Quidditch hero. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not kind of where we're at yet, but these are kind of big things happening for Ron right now in year five. Yeah, he's he finally got something that, you know, at least Fred and George didn't get, that Harry didn't get. But more, I think it's more about his family. I know Harry being like the chosen one and everything is a hard for Ron sometimes, but I think that most of it is just family. He's the youngest boy, but he's, you know, but Jenny's the youngest actual and she's the girl. So she kind of took all of that thunder. It's, he doesn't have like, you know, the youngest, the baby of the family, you know, attention. And with Fred and George around, I feel like nobody ever got any other attention because they were just wreaking havoc all the time. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard kind of hard to get any attention when you got those two big personalities in the world. Mm-hmm. And then it seems like everybody before that was, not that they were perfect, but they were top of their class prefects. They were very good on their own. And went off to do, to do great, big great things, things around yeah. the world. Well, Harry's on the emotional seesaw after finding out this news about Ron. Why did Ron get picked? I've done more than him. I, But then I should be happy for my friend. And it's just up and down and Do up I and really down. Do I really think I'm better than Ron? D- does this make me uh, like an egomaniac like Draco? I think it was a little weird to read. But at the same time, I do feel like he... It was kind of a good way. I mean, he sat down and analyzed his feelings, thought it through... And, you know, it's okay to be disappointed that you didn't get picked. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to be a little jealous. But as long as you come out the other side of that, work through it, and you're happy for your friend, I mean, those are just natural feelings. And teenage hormones. And teenage hormones. And he's still dealing with a lot. Like, he he even said, he's like, I totally forgot that prefect badges were coming out. I didn't even know. I wasn't even like thinking about it. Like, oh, so he wasn't is, excited. Is it wasn't like he opened the envelope expecting to see it. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He totally forgot about it with everything else going on in his world. So it's not like he was let down the moment he opened his envelope. It was later he had, it kind of just all got sprung on him and he had to process it. Well, Molly does a small party instead of a regular dinner to celebrate Hermione and Ron being chosen as Gryffindor prefects. We find out that Lupin was a prefect during his time at Hogwarts and that James and Sirius were not. They, they were, were always they in were trouble. They were Fred and George <laughs> of their group. And that, knowing that, hey, hey, my dad was not a prefect either, that kind of makes Harry go back to the high side of the emo seesaw for a few mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah, I think that helps him out. It's not like a family tradition for him as it is for Ron. But also, I forgot to mention, you know, he was so bitter all summer because he he pictured Ron and Hermione off doing these fun things and getting to know everything that was going on and being right in the thick of things. So I feel like that was also part of 
the badge thing. It's another thing that those two are going to have and be able to go do things that he's not going to be able to do. And he kind of felt left out again. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Well, Moody, uh, living up to his name, brings Harry right back down. When Moody shows Harry a photo of the original Order of the Phoenix, including Harry's parents, Neville's parents, and a bunch of wizards and witches that didn't survive very long after the picture was taken. Oh, yeah. He had to point out every single person. Right, oh. This dude died. This dude died like a week later. This dude, Voldemort, killed him himself. Yeah, that was... This one, we only found pieces of him. Yeah. And it just kind of brought everything crashing back down. His name is Moody. What do we expect? <laughs> So, you know, we started off the, the book with, oh no, Harry's in trouble, he might be expelled, but we've played that game already. We we started off another book with, oh no, Harry did magic, he's in trouble, he might be expelled, and then we got past it. So, you know, I feel like as a reader, didn't see this as a super strong threat, it was just an obstacle we had to get past. And then you kind of have this where you're... You're being reminded of, you get a little hint of it when we run into Lucius about the darkness that happened at the last book, the big change, Mm -hmm. the big flip to this is serious and dark and we're not a kid's book anymore. It's serious and black. Serious (laughs) and dark, black and moody. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. So this just kind of brought it right back to don't forget we're preparing for war. These people aren't going to survive just like these other people are, didn't survive. It was kind of brought things crashing back down. And then we got even worse. Well, Molly seems so happy in this chapter that it made me wonder while I was reading it, this 30-page chapter, why is the chapter titled The Woes of Molly Weasley? Weasley. And it made me think that at any point while I'm reading this chapter, the other shoe's going to drop. And it indeed does at the end of this chapter. Molly has gone upstairs to take care of the boggart that was locked in that desk for some time. And of course, while battling a boggart, you are shown your greatest fear. So lead us through what happens next when Harry hears Molly crying as Harry's heading up the stairs. Yeah, so it shows you your greatest fear. You're supposed to use the spell Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it changes it into something that is funny. So mm-hmm. then you can get rid of it. Because you're not afraid of it anymore. Unfortunately, I, we don't really know what she was shown first. We don't. But it was apparently showing her different family members, her children, her husband, dead on the floor. And she was so upset and so rattled by this that when she was, she was sobbing in the corner, terrified, and she said ridiculous, but she didn't have the oomph, mm-hmm. the intent and so it just changed to another person in her family, one of the other children. And it just kept going. And for a second, I was like, Harry, take care of this. I was like, oh, yeah, underage magic. He can't do anything mm-hmm. because he'll just right end up right back where he was in trouble. Um, but thankfully, the adults come run, other adults come running upstairs and, and deal with it. So despite putting on a brave, cheerful face most days... You know, I say Molly Weasley reminds me of my mom. Mm -hmm. Molly Weasley is dealing with some deep, dark fears that she's been suppressing. Now, is is she doing this 
as a mom, as an adult, as a, as a leader, to not let out her feelings because she feels like she can't afford to let everyone see how worried she really is. Is Molly thinking she needs to present like a strong and confident image as one of the leaders of this huge family? Why hasn't Molly talked to anyone about this, not even her husband? I feel like, one, she feels like she can't let on in front of the kids because she doesn't want to scare them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of, I kind of feel like they're getting ready to go away to school and then she can finally kind of let her guard down mm-hmm. and and acknowledge how serious everything is. Um, and she probably will feel better when they're gone and at school where, you know, Dumbledore is and... I don't know why parents think that their kids are safe at Hogwarts, but she probably feels like they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I also feel like this is on another level, but she's also just being a mom. Mm-hmm. You know, when any of you guys are traveling, your mom watches it on yep. the Find My Friends app or watches you on the plane, track yep. your plane app. Yep. She has to know. And I, I asked her one time, I said, what are you going to do if that plane just just disappears. Like, you can't do anything. Why do you sit here and stare at it and stress yourself? You can't do anything if something happens to that plane. But she's like, I just have to know. I have to know. I have to watch them. This is, you know, that old... It's not it's like a running joke, but the thing... It's an ongoing thing where they're like, oh, mother's always like, make sure you leave clean, have clean underwear on when you leave the house because you might die mm-hmm. or end up in the hospital. Like, mothers are just always worried, always worried about their kids, always worried about their families. And I just, in this time with things going so bad so quickly and the whole uncertainty of not knowing what Voldemort's next move is, where is he even at, what is he planning, what is he doing, I feel like it's just a another level. Mm-hmm. It, she's getting pushed over the edge with her worry. And I, I've always con, you know, compared Molly to, to my mom because my mom's not somebody who will really let you see her sweat. She kind of makes sure everybody else is taken care of. And then if she does have a moment you know, it's usually not a very public thing. You know, it's usually, it's it's almost like, like I was saying, is I need to make sure everybody else is okay. And if they know that I'm not okay, then they're not going to be okay. So, you know, Molly's dealing with some, some stuff here. Apparently she's had dreams or nightmares about her family members dying. And, um, you know, a lot of... Uh, there's a lot more under the surface of Molly Weasley than we just get to see uh, out under front. Sorry, we need to mark the Encanto soundtrack now? Sure. Why not? <laughs> uh, and that's the end of chapter nine. nine? <laughs> look, at, look at my my notes were front to back here. So at the end, end of chapter nine, the woes of Mrs. Weasley. We do have an email. Ooh, an email. Uh, sent to us at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. You can always send us that. Uh, your thoughts and questions, and we'll read them on the air here. Uh, this one comes from David in Mobile, Alabama. Hey, David. Uh, he says, hi, guys. Found out about your show while playing Harry Potter trivia at C2E2. What? What? <laughs> Sorry. I was, was fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I was thinking. 
I was expecting you to go with the DJ air horn. I think I thought that too, and then I just hit the wrong thing. Because I was ready to like, burr, 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 with my fists, and then it didn't happen. Uh, so I found out about your show while playing Harry Potter Trivia at C2E2, and I'm really enjoying it. I'm halfway through book four of the podcast as we speak. My son Logan pointed out that Avada Kedavra sounds a whole lot like Abracadabra, and now I can't unhear it. Why would the most unforgivable curse be so similar to one that every muggle knows about? I don't really know the exact a- the ans- Ugh, I can't talk anymore. Like we're done. I just my, we're done. I, we're shut, my mouth shut down. down. Um, be a wizard, be a witch, <laughs> be a muggle, be a squid. No, I don't know the answer to that exact question. I do know that uh, J.K. Rowling did say that she did it on purpose. That she imagined that muggles had overheard the Avacadabra um, killing curse killing curse I guess maybe during the height of the Dark Lord I don't know when they would have heard it but apparently they'd heard it and just mistakenly trans, you know changed it to Abracadabra they weren't saying it correctly they misheard whatever as they used it it changed whatever but, um, yeah, she did it intentionally. That it was something that Muggles, like, overheard and associated with a magic trick. Um, but I don't know why exactly she chose the Killing Curse to be the representation for that. What's the name of your dentist? Prentice? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a lot, awful lot like dentist. It does. Maybe that's why he became a dentist. Maybe. Hmm. It's far. A cadabra sounds a lot like Abracadabra. So that yeah, I don't know why she chose the killing curse to do it, but I know she did it. On. Yeah, I would think like it'd be more like the like oh this one like opens doors, yeah. <laughs> like does something other than killing. Yeah, I feel and like this one turns you into a bunny rabbit. If you accidentally overheard slash saw somebody using the killing curse, you wouldn't go, hey, that's cool. Uh-huh. I'm going to use that for my next magic trick. But if you saw somebody open a door, you'd be like, hey, that's a cool trick. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do that next time I need the door open, which is what some people do. They're like, aha, abracadabra, look at this. I can open this thing now. Door, trunk, whatever. Well, shout out to David. Shout out to Logan. Thanks for uh, emailing in. And uh, we appreciate you joining us on this journey through the Harry Potter novels, specifically right now, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for downloading, listening, and subscribing. Like I said, you can shoot us an email, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at broomsticksb. That's broomsticks, followed by the letter B, no spaces, no underscores. And uh, Jess... As we record this, you are currently uh, beginning a new... I was say jobless? No, are, I have a job. I just haven't uh, started it yet. Beginning a new uh, career. Yes. Uh, starting in less than 24 hours, you will no longer be in the public school system. You are taking a new gig as... At the library! Burr, 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 burr. I found it that time, but I almost hit the crickets. <laughs> that would have been bad. <laughs> well, that's what a library is supposed to sound like. Yeah. I, I, I think that's going to be one of my hardest things, is that it's going to be quiet. Too quiet. Yeah. 
I don't even like the house being quiet. Like, if you're not here, I still have the TV on, or I still have the music playing. And, but I'm switching from an elementary school. Uh-huh. It's never quiet. See, I've been in elementary school for 20 years, so quiet is amazing to me. <laughs> so now it's going to be super quiet. But you're going to be uh, working at the public library. Uh, kind of a uh, dream job for a bookworm like yourself. Yes, I will be by all the books all the time. So we're really excited for you. Uh, doubly excited because you get to get out of the public school system. <laughs> yeah. But, I need uh, it out, guys. Even, need it out. Even more. Yeah, imagine how I feel. <laughs> I got five more years. But it, it just ended up subbing every day, which was not what I signed That's up for. That's not what you signed up for. It wasn't what your job description was. No. But if I wanted to sub every day, I'd be a sub. And then I could at least pick and choose uh-huh. what classes I wanted yeah. to do. Sub for art and music and PE and library. And, and just good teachers. Uh-huh. But that's not the way it worked out. But, you know, I'm sure you've got some... It wasn't all bad. You've got some positive, you know, things about your time in, mm-hmm. in public schools. and But now you're moving on to something else. And who knows, maybe this will be what you do for, you know, until you retire. Hopefully. So congratulations. Thank you, sir. On that. I love you very much. Very happy for you. And uh, I love you all for listening very much. Aww. Uh, Particularly Jennifer in California. Are you looking for the Whitney Houston? There you go. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Jennifer in California. uh, Anastasia in Connecticut. Kelly in New York. Um... Olivia, also in New York. Also in New York. Uh, Catherine in Chicago. Uh, Jane and Ronnie in uh, over in Illinois. Uh, am I forgetting somebody? Uh, we mentioned Brandy, Brandy and Zach, uh, Rat Lover Brandy <laughs> down in Kentucky. <laughs> Ladder we'll to the list too, and to all of you. For spreading the word and downloading, listening, and subscribing. Thank you for joining us on Broomsticks and Butterbeer. Until next time, be a wizard, be a witch, be a muggle, be a squib, but don't be a jerk. Forget. See ya. Bye. I've got some magic in me. Every time I touch that track, it turns into gold. Everybody knows.